Hello. Hello. Welcome to Obviously It's Fake, the podcast. I'm Chelsea Potts. And I'm Catherine Doherty. And we are coming at you via Zoom. Thank you, Zoom. You're great. Yeah, the weather's been super shit. Yeah. We've had a snow situation recently that won't ever stop. But anyway. <clears throat> yeah, I hate that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think we should start with like some background, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. What do you do? Is that thing that you do? Where you're like, I can't do it. That's a thing, I guess. Cat people. In the early days, right? Where, yeah, get it, girl. Oh, what? Mm. Dance it out. Yes. So we're talking, we're talking about the birth, the um, ambiotic sack, if you will. Of- oh, I didn't go that far back. <laughs> I don't want to start with MLK as in amniotic sack. No, I feel like that's no, no, too no. far back. That's too far back. <laughs> no, no, no. We're starting with the ambiotic sack of the civil rights movement. Come on, a little bit. Okay, I guess. Yeah. 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 I'm going to take this job from you. I'm going to pluck it. Why? Because I'm going to tell you the history of MLK's relationship with the FBI. What? That's that's the amount of history you want to do. You don't want to do a brief history up to that point. We got to start over. We're 20 minutes in. We're 20 minutes. We're not 20 minutes in, Chelsea Potts. None of that shit is usable. <laughs> Maybe a couple snips. Uh, you know what? That's what I say about that. You're right. I'm being insane. Um, all right. Okay. So, all right. So. <laughs> Today, on Obviously It's Fake, the podcast, we're talking about the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Assassination. Yeah. Chelsea Potts is going to kick us off with a little history of MLK. History, bo history, yo. All right. So... Was that cultural appropriation? I didn't mean for it to be. Uh, It wasn't, I think, until you suggested that it might be. And then you just outed yourself as making making like a poor attempt at, I guess, sounding like hip or something. (laughs) I'm a boomer in a millennial's body. So let's just, let me just accept it and move on. Okay. So. I'm going back to 61 on this. So up until this point, Got it. 1961, MLK has already done some speeches. He's gotten like the community rallied. He's involved in the uh, bus boycotts in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, I believe it was. Yes, and, it was. You know, this kind of coincides with Rosa Parks because with the situation that arose there, the first 10 seats of a bus that was segregated was for, no, yeah, segregated, sorry, integrated. The first 10 seats were for white people. Now, whether there was people sitting in the not, it didn't matter. A black person couldn't sit in those first 10 seats. And Rosa Parks was like, F that, I'm tired. I'm sitting down. I paid my fare, fuck off. And Martin Luther King Jr. was like, all right, little mama, you know what? Yeah. This is you are butchering this story. <laughs> what? Am I? I'm sorry. 
Okay, it wasn't as chill as all that. Like, I just meant like, because it definitely wasn't as he wasn't like little mama. No, but I get what you were saying. Like, he might he have was said like, that. However, <laughs> let's let's get together on this. Let's get the community together on this. He was a, a co-pastor in his father's church in Montgomery, Alabama, the uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church, and his father was the pastor. So, you know, he already had a platform to speak to a large number of the Black community in Montgomery, Alabama, right? Yeah, him and Rosa Parks were both, like, involved in some way in the NAACP already. Yeah. Um, And um, it it was not planned, but they had been, like, talking about different possibilities and trying to like organize the black dollar and the black community. Yeah, they wanted to, the whole, and it blows my mind that this is still going on today because how long ago was that? We're talking the fifties, the sixties, that all of this and and earlier, you know, in in the times of slavery and all that, like this is all a lot, it's been going on forever. And here we are in 2021 and this is still happening. Yeah, MLK was born 60 years after slavery ended. Yeah, so that's not like a really long time at all, if you think about it. It's not. I mean, he first experienced, in an interview he had it with the BBC in 1961, right? He was asked when he first experienced like, color yeah basically like racism and it was at the age of six he said he had two white friends that he hung out with um he said they were inseparable and then their parents his white friend's parents owned a store and after a while the kids started making excuses and so martin luther king jr was like he said to his mom he's like i don't understand and his mom basically explained to him like slavery and like segregation and all that stuff so imagine like as a six-year-old right you have to hear all this and it's supposed to be it's supposed to be looking up but who's doing something about it nobody's doing anything about it Mm -hmm. at least if he can see at least in his mind so that's where I think it kind of took off and as is with his father I think his father encouraged him to speak to the people because the people wanted to listen to him yeah well he um he went to college in the north yeah he went to Pennsylvania yeah so he was exposed to um you know some different ideas during that time in his life and he also studied um Gandhi at that point too really yes and the way that Gandhi was organizing uh people in India you know he it was giving him a lot of ideas about how organization and the black community could you know try to better their situation Right, right. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I know that at one point in his life, he was good friends with Muhammad Ali. I think there were like tensions with him and Malcolm X for a hot minute. But like, at one point, they were also like friends for a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, they wanted the same things. Yeah, they absolutely did. Some of the things that like, I thought were crazy in this interview that he was talking about when he was growing up, like in Atlanta, there was strict segregation. Like they weren't allowed as a black person. He wasn't allowed to go to a public park. Um, You know, he couldn't go to a white school. He couldn't go to a theater. He couldn't go to a lunch counter. There was still police brutality. You know, he watched the KKK be a vigilant, like group of people where he lived. Yeah, I mean, the KKK, while he was growing up, were, um, you know, intimidating voters at the polls on a regular basis. But he had said that the legal system and police in Atlanta had gotten better over the last 10 years. From, I guess, 51 to 61, things had, had gotten better. 
But, you know, as things went on and as he gained more popularity in the black community, not just in Montgomery, but all over, he even said, like, he got death threats at, at one point daily in the mail. Um, people were calling his house 30 and 40 times a day. So he felt like death was kind of imminent. And I feel like it was a big production, but the government absolutely 100% took him down, took him out. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, let's talk about his relationship to the FBI. So his relationship uh, with the FBI and being under surveillance with the FBI really started after the famous March on Washington speech, the, um, right. the I have a dream speech, but like shortly after that, on August 28th, 1963, Bill Sullivan, who was the second in command at the FBI, <clears throat> says in a memo at the time, it's clear that MLK is the most dangerous Negro in America, and we have to use every resource at our disposal to destroy him. Wow. So that speech dic- dictated that memo um, from Bill Sullivan, second in command at the FBI. That's a lot. Like, how do you say, how do you say this man is too powerful? We need to take him out when a community, a community. I mean, that's, you know, that's the fucking, that's the 60s government, like the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s government. That is, they did some shady shit. Like, they're the reason why conspiracy theorists are so vindicated you know in in the U.S. is because they really did do all this shit like they really did like they did some wild shit they hid so much from the public I mean things about JFK's assassination that are only coming out within the last year or two you know what I mean this I mean everything about this case is ridiculous it's it's disgusting. I mean, James Comey called this the darkest point in the FBI's history. Um, and they probably also uh, definitely killed Malcolm X. Oh, 150%. I mean, you know, when, I think that's a fact. When something like the, the bus boycotts happened, you know, that was 1955. So this is a little bit earlier than than where you are with the FBI. In December of 1955, that's when Rosa Parks had refused the seat. 381 days until the bus system integrated. 300 and over a year it took for the black community not to use the bus system until the bus system finally said, you know what? We need to integrate, we need their income. Yeah. Isn't that awful? They would rather almost go under than have black patrons. Yeah, it's disgusting. I mean, it's unbelievable to look back on and see the type of shit that happened. Um, it, it's crazy. And I mean, that's, you know, it's wild. People think that, you know, what, less than one generation is enough time to undo all of that. Yeah. You're insane. No, never. So anyway, um, following that, MLK is introduced to Stanley David Levison, right? And they become pretty good friends. Um, Levison has a reputation and a confirmed reputation of being involved in the Communist Party. In the 1950s, Uh he was a a supporter of the Communist Party. Um, A lot of people at that time had like the attitude that like if there was ever any affiliation um then that means that like that person like can't be trusted for life it like he just had like he he had a compliment yeah because of like former affiliations to communist like they treated communism like you know like he was uh like a confirmed radical terrorist or something like that like um, i feel like there was a lot of them though I mean, consider that you had Albert Einstein um, considered to be part of the Communist Party. I mean, that's going back like 40 years, but still, I don't think that the government was interested in him too. So, I mean, 
Well, I mean, the communism, the FBI was all about communism. So this is just to give you a little bit of background on like, kind of like the route that the FBI took to get to MLK. So he's friends with Stanley Levinson and Stanley Levinson is very much like an advisor to MLK at this time. He's like, they're very, very close. He did a lot for the civil rights movement. He was a lawyer. He gets subpoenaed and accused Uh of being a member of the Communist Party. Who got subpoenaed? Stan? Yeah, Levison. (gasps) No. Yeah. So, you know, and they tell, they go to MLK, right? And they're like, yo, your homie is a communist. Like, we just want to let you know your dude is a commie. Um, that's That's what's up. And the FBI uses this as like an excuse to start surveillance, like to start like more heavy surveillance onto Martin Luther King. And they also have this like very racist belief that black people, like they cite this in their reasoning that black people are more susceptible to being radicalized and recruited by extremist parties like communism. That just like as a people, that's they're not fair. That. That's not fair. And here's why. Well, because it's ridiculous and it's racist. And I mean, MLK, like in several interviews, talks about how, like, what a ridiculous notion that is because he talks about how remarkable it is that um, Black people have proven to be extremely patriotic and loyal to the nation, even though they've been faced with so much abuse. And I mean, I'm going to say that I think it is 100% amazing that Black people have been committed to being patriots of the United States of America, when in fact, what actually happening is like, they're basically second class citizens, like they don't, they don't exist. Dude. Yeah. Fucking June 22nd, 1963. Got you. JFK. Stop. I can't. Gets together with Martin Luther King. They go for a walk in the Rose Garden at the White House. And JFK is like, you and me, we're in this civil rights thing together. Right, bro? Like, I put my stamp of approval on you. My brother put his stamp of approval on you. Like, we're both on record as being on your side. So, like, I want you to trust me. We're on the same team. And MLK is like, okay, cool. Um, And JFK is like, you need to stop being friends with Stanley Levison because it's making me look like a dumbass for co-signing you when you have a friend who's a commie. Well, is that fair? No, it's not. Um, It's not a fair thing to ask someone. I mean, like, end of discussion, it's not fair. (laughs) Like, it's ridiculous. It's definitely not fair. But that's what he said. And MLK is like, listen, I still don't think that he's a communist. Like, he told me that he's not a communist. He's not in communism anymore. He was like, that's not my jam. And um, I think that you guys are being really uncool by not talking about how few Black people have become communists because Black people are extremely loyal Americans and um, they really have no fucking reason to be because you don't have their backs at all. What about- So you should be a little bit more grateful. Was the Black Panther Party, I mean, I knew MLK wasn't involved in it, but was that like a communist, was Um, that like a, a- communist situation or no no they i mean like the kgb tried to like in tried to like infiltrate um the black panther party and like the fbi accused them of being involved in communism the same way that they accused martin luther king of being involved in communism they threw out a whole lot of accusations with the word communism in them in order to like get the government to co-sign on them completely stomping all over everybody's fucking civil rights why would they do that though like do you like have you seen the government 
lately or ever. Have you met me? Like, hello? You know I question the government all the fucking time. I'm just saying that, like, I don't know. He was good for the people. You know, he was he was good for the people. But the white ran American male business of the government. Yeah, well, also, I mean, like, fucking... J. Edgar Hoover is was a huge racist and was also like really weirdly threatened by Martin Luther King's like sexuality and masculinity um sexuality because like he kissed his wife in public I think that picture of him kissing her is the one you posted is one of the best pictures I've ever seen like that's my favorite picture it's so cute I mean Anyway, but we'll get to that because it's going to get juicier. You know what I mean? Uh All right. So Um, what we're talking about was, I'm still a little bit ahead of you in the years, but I'm catching up to you where he's, he's getting very popular. And he said that the police weren't protecting him when he was in Montgomery, Alabama, where he was living. Mm -hmm. He was saying that his home was bombed twice. Dude's house was bombed twice, all because he wanted peace, all because he wanted equality. He wanted better pay for the same work. He had an assassination attempt on him in Harlem. Did you know that? Yes, his first, the first assassination attempt against him. So apparently it was a Black woman that was institutionalized um, at a book signing, a book that he had wrote a few years prior. Uh, called stride towards freedom she stabbed him and she almost it was almost fatal he was in the hospital several weeks and he's chalking it up to his involvement in the civil rights movement because at this point he had had the bus boycott and then you know the next thing we know he's at the sanitation strike you know in memphis and ultimately, unfortunately, that's where his journey ends. But we'll get into it. Up, up until this point, I mean, he says that he did feel fear. But he was also reminded of like a cosmic companionship. I think that Dr. Martin Luther King is just one of the people that you're better to have known. He's better to have been in this world than have not been in this world, even if it was only for the short period of time that he was. You know what I mean? Oh, no question. No question, for sure. I mean, he did things that I don't think just anybody could do. No, definitely not. It's, you know, like the wildest thing. Um, So uh, in preparation for today's episode, of course, I've been watching... um, you know, like nonstop MLK videos. And one of the things I watched was uh, the new documentary MLK FBI, uh, which was, oh my God, amazing. It's, you can rent it on Amazon right now. And it's so good. So, 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 so good. Um, But Ian and I were like talking, we were noticing and talking about how he like never, trips over a word like you never hear him go uh or like you never hear him stutter or like stammer or um you know mess up in a sentence he's so you like he speaks and you get chills you know it's yeah he's like super smooth I could listen to him talk for forever yeah it's wild all right sorry we're getting off topic as we always do so by mid-1963 the FBI is hardcore wiretapping MLK wow. and knows why? Because of the fucking communist. Because of Levinson. Oh, all right. Sorry. Stan the man. Forgot. Yeah, like we already, we was talking about this already. I sidebarred. I apologize. <sighs> Pay attention. I'm with you. I'm with you, <laughs> Let's do this. Pay attention. This is important. Anyway, so... The FBI is hardcore wiretapping MLK, and they know that he has not actually cut ties with Levison. MLK and most of his associates are now being wiretapped. Like, it's not just him. They're also wiretapping, like, all of his closest friends and family. 
So they, like his wife, the kids, his parents, I'm sure the yes. in-laws. Yeah, uh, his family. Jackson, yes. I'm sure. Yes, yes. Wow. Um, they discover during all of this wiretapping that he is not monogamous with his wife. Or they at least assume, like, they think that that's what they discovered. They actually don't have any proof that it was him. Because um, these like are not, well, no, they're not video recordings. Oh, it's they're, audio. They're audio recordings. So, it's like, it's a not. distinct voice, though. Yes, but, like, <laughs> some of these are just, like, <laughs> audio recordings of people having sex. And you're not being conversational like at that you're like you can't prove that that's you know what I mean like I'm sorry but I feel like if I was like at the peak of the civil rights movement the last thing I would want to do is have sex um well I mean that's just you there's nothing wrong with the fact that he wasn't in a monogamous marriage if he wasn't but does Coretta Scott King know about that I mean well we're gonna talk about the things that she has said about it and all of that but I mean you we don't know I mean she never they never had any intention of separating during his life I don't think they ever would I mean and she has never like but like maybe she did know about it I'm not gonna like say anything about the Baptist Um, I mean people you know people there's not anything wrong with that and people at that time did that too like just because it was the 1950s doesn't mean that those the or the 1960s doesn't mean that that stuff wasn't going on I just you know what it my problem is I'm a prude and I think about like these historical figures as like deceased people in a ripple of time that I'll never experience and only know through like storybooks and I say storybooks and I'm actually referring to textbooks but you know if it's not like the the firsthand writing of the person then you know we spoke about this before I mean the bible was written by the apostles but like were they there did they know like what you know what I mean well so, yeah I mean a lot of king's associates say just that like the FBI <laughs> did some super sus shit they kind like they are there's really like no reason to take what they say at face value that this is definitely MLK on this audio recording having sex and not some other man because they're just doing it they're not like it's not (laughs) yeah I'm and I mean also can I listen to this recording is it anywhere to be found on YouTube I feel like that no. would be decent for my soul. Um, first of all, it would be indecent um, for your soul. and But second of all, no, it's not. You can't. Um, and we'll actually, we'll get into that as well. Because those, all of those files are sealed. Um, Why? And can't be opened until, because they're classified. It's classified FBI files. For what reason? Why is it classified? Because he was assassinated. He wasn't a senator. He was a Baptist minister from Montgomery, Alabama, who believed in the rights of the Black community and was a voice for people who needed to be heard. But he wasn't a senator. He wasn't a governor. You know what I mean? So why is it classified? Why? I mean, you know that he was still like, an important political figure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he uh, actually funded uh, a couple of organizations, if I could just reference my notes here. <laughs> what? Well, he endorsed any, he strongly endorsed any organizations that were fighting the struggle in being creative in a nonviolent way to arouse the conscience of mankind on the issue of civil rights so I mean in that sense anything that had to do with a positive movement in civil rights he's endorsing I mean he could be linked to the FBI he could be linked to the CIA he could be linked to the DEA 
you know, they could all be looking into them to see what potentially they could get him on. And they find what? They find that he might be on a sex tape. Like, that's all they find. Yeah. And that's supposed to ruin him. It was, yes. And it did, um, so they had to kill him, those sons of bitches. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Uh, basically, to make a very long story short. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Good night. Good night. <laughs> no, but I mean, the Lorraine Hotel. Wait, let's go back. So the FBI. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, so where were we? Okay. They find out that he's not monogamous, right? Maybe. And they don't know that for sure. Right. But this is what. Don't fit. You must acquit. Listen, I need you to zip it. Sorry. Because you're going to back yourself into a corner. You're going to say something out of pocket and I'm going to have to edit it out. <laughs> Continue on. Um, anyway, so they discover that he is su- supposedly not monogamous with his wife. And their goal then shifts from catching MLK as this communist threat to just getting as much evidence as they possibly can of him banging other women. That's what they want. And that's supposed to do what? Um, Yes. So the FBI really is planning on using this evidence to discredit him in some way uh, if they feel that it's necessary uh, to discredit him because he's too much of a threat to the government. So they're now just trying to get him on tape banging, right? The FBI it is working. matter. We... <laughs> who cares? I don't care who you're banging. Exactly. I'm here for peace. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like five minutes ago, <laughs> You were like, maybe I'm a prude, but <laughs> that's not allowed. <laughs> flip flop. I'm sorry. You do flip flop, dude. If you were ever to run for office, that would be like the number one thing that they would accuse you of. I know. <laughs> and I'd be all right with it. I'd be like, it's my yeah. first. It's my truth. I'm loving my truth. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? What was the last thing that you heard me say? Um, you were talking about MLK. Well. <laughs> I didn't hear a lot because you were very robotic. The FBI is working with the Willard Hotel in Washington, D.C., and they would often get help from the hotel employees to wiretap MLK's room, uh, and they would put the FBI agents in adjacent rooms to Martin Luther King so that they could like, spy on him easier. And this is, yeah, and this is their like goal was to get tapes of him having sexual encounters. If there's an understanding, and I know we've circled around this already, but if there's an understanding, like, let it be, you know? Yeah, well, they weren't about that, you know? I guess. So fast forward to the Civil Rights Act being signed into effect in 1964 by President Johnson. MLK is present at the time, and he's honored by the president. Uh, you know, he gives them a pen, uh, like the pen from the signing. And later that year, he is nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Does he right? win? Yes, he does win. Oh, ow. You didn't know that? <laughs> that I, I got a lot of his early stuff. Yeah. 
Um, so he does, he does win. Uh, and J. Edgar Hoover is basically like feeling like very upset. Why? Well, because he has this like bug up his ass about MLK, you know, he is kind of obsessed with him, you know, good way. No, no, that's not good in a bad way. He fudging hates MLK. Not good. Not yeah, good. he really, really hates him. He thinks he's like, he calls him immoral. He like think, and it really like, it stems from those like racist images that were portrayed of black men in the, you know, post-slavery period that we're trying to portray them as being unfit to hold political office and be responsible enough to participate in our democratic system because they were incapable of controlling their sexual urges and perversions and they like showed them like attacking women and like just like being like unable to stop themselves from humping everything like Emmett too you know I mean yes the story of Emmett Till yes the photo of Emmett Till Mm. like God praise his mother because I couldn't do that like good lord well she wanted people to see I know and I get that I mean I don't but I do you know like you go you know what I mean yeah but I just, I can't believe that human beings are that awful to each other. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. And that was the way that J. Edgar Hoover was painting Martin Luther King. And that was the way that he viewed him was as this like deviant person who was unfit to be leading the civil rights movement. And he tried to, he was obviously extremely racist and tried to make it seem like the civil rights movement was a threat to the United States. It wasn't hard for him to do that because our government was extremely racist at this time. And there's actually documentation, um, you know, Noam Chomsky in his documentary, he talks about how the government labeled this period of time with like the civil rights movement and the women's rights movement, um, you know, in the sixties and seventies as being a period where the nation allowed its citizens to become too involved in the democratic system in overabundance of democracy is how they referred to it. And they wanted to try to correct that. That was like one of the, I'm sorry. The thing that they want us to have. Yeah, they don't want us to have too much of an impact on. But we're our own people. Like, this is, we, we're the voters. Listen. Like, what? You know this already. I know. But it's just, dude, I'm so thirsty. Like, like, so good. It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling that so so the government finally was just like, you know what? We got to get rid of this guy. He's causing too much of a stir up. He's kicking. Yeah, it's fucking bullshit. Listen, mother, fucking listen to this. I'm listening. I got my ears on, man. J. Edgar Hoover. Right after he's, you know, it's announced that MLK is fucking winning the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, J. Edgar Hoover is like, uh, well, he's actually America's most notorious liar. That's what I would call him. Um, and oh, yeah. the, <laughs> the FBI gives evidence of King's non-monogamy to church leaders, to his wife, to some reporters. And actually no one really cared. Um, yeah. Like they were... <sighs> It was much less common for reporters to like widely circulate things of that nature. Um, it did get out, but it just like didn't have the effect that the FBI wanted it to have. 
um king's wife was basically just like oh um i'm not surprised at all that you guys are trying to fuck with our lives and i don't trust you at all um and church leaders said the same thing you know they were basically like we don't fucking trust you like we have to live our lives with some level of paranoia towards the authority figures in our nation because you guys notoriously uh don't fucking have our backs yeah like hardcore notoriously like we're Um, not idiots yeah like we know what happens on the streets and in the sheets exactly um so hoover is very upset by this he's kind of like super just butthurt you know what i mean he's like butthurt hoover he really is he's just like he's like why won't anybody listen to me about how much this guy fucking sucks like because he's a psychopath jerry (laughs) was a psychopath yeah he hardcore was a fucking psychopath why didn't anyone listen and just listen to dr king and say you know what tom's opening the door hold on a second I needed a beverage. I feel yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the stuff. Why didn't anyone just listen to Dr. King? And say, you know what? Yeah, some people did, some people did it. You know what? He's got a point. Dr. King didn't say, I don't like white people. No, he definitely never said Um, that. Uh, I don't think you need to, like, go on a like in defense of MLK, we're all pro MLK here. No, I <laughs> if you're not pro MLK, please stop listening because you're not gonna like what Oh my god, my fucking headphone wire just fell on my foot and I thought it was like a mouse or something. It scared the shit out of me. <sighs> all right, you need to take a minute. I'm fine. Okay. I'm a professional. So, I'm a fucking professional. I'm like going close to the thing because I'm reading my notes. Um, so the fucking FBI mails a tape. The sex ta- tape? Yes. They mail it to his house addressed to him and his wife. Right. Um, with a note inside that says... Um, if you don't kill yourself before you accept the Nobel Peace Prize, um, we're going to release this tape to everybody. If um, you don't kill yourself? Yeah, if you don't kill yourself. Wow. And it's like, that's not a conspiracy theory. That if is that happened. That is on record as having happened. Um, the government sent that to him. Yes. The United States government. Yes. Because he was a good person. Basically. Um, Yeah, they also then sent letters to him and um, to the press, like, writing them as if they were anonymous former followers of MLK. Oh, and like Uh, mistresses, like, oh. No, not mistresses, but just like former followers and like black citizens um, who were like now denouncing him. And- um, Like, did the government have nothing else to do? No, they didn't have anything else to do. Uh, What about solve the assassination of JFK? You know what I mean? Like- What's not going on? I don't think that was open and shut, in my opinion, but whatever. Yeah, James Comey called this the darkest part of the FBI's history. Um, you know, so after the after the tape thing, yeah. At that point, MLK is like, okay, like I'm definitely constantly being wiretapped because, like, before this, there were people in his life who were trying to convince him that, like, the government was. Uh, out to get him and he was like you guys are being a little bit too paranoid but after this he's like obviously yes um obviously (laughs) i was everything really lightly and i'm obviously you guys were right and yes this is fucking this fucking sucks 
Um, he uh, does not kill himself. Um, but he also then is like basically constantly living in fear that this stuff is going to be released to the public. Um, it had a really big emotional impact on him because of the threatening nature of everything. Um, you know, he, in a lot of his speeches seems that he knew from this point forward that, uh, it was, he was going to die at a young age, um, and maybe at the hands of the government, uh, he always thought that he was being tracked. His personal life was going to be exposed. Um, I mean, he became a symbol for emancipation in the South. I mean, yeah. And I mean, even his wife, like when they received that package, she immediately knew that it was from the U.S. government. They knew that it was from the FBI. They knew who was responsible for this. And they, you know, it didn't do what they intended it to do. And it made them even more angry and even more obsessed with him. You know, like they wanted this to ruin his spirit, make him kill himself um, you know, rip apart his marriage and his family. And it didn't. She was immediately on his side, always, and has forever been. It's, you know, it didn't work. And it made him, it made Hoover even more angry. Um, later- that, just, that just goes to show you, if you speak about the truth enough, the government is going to say, hey, you're speaking a little too much truth. We all have to take you out. I mean, MLK said that all the time, you know, that if you, if you were, if you fought for justice enough that people would lie about you and try to ruin your life. And it was something that you were going to have to deal with. He never fought though. I mean, he fought, but it was all nonviolent. That's yeah, what exactly. He wanted. he wanted nonviolence. Did some things turn violent? Yes. Were other things provoked at times? Yes. But he said that it was difficult at first to convince that nonviolence was the best way. But once he was able to get that across to the Black community, he was amazed when the, with the response. Um, they very rarely or very few had um, retaliated with physical violence. So, you know, going from getting beaten, going from a situation like Emmett Till, um, you know, stories of just hangings of black teenagers by white teenagers or white adults in the South to this, you know, to having equal pay after the sanitation strike, to having integration with the bus systems. Um, you know, he had made a big moves and the government was scared of him and they should have been. Um, well, no, they shouldn't have been. I think they should have been because they, the government should have been scared of him because of the fact that if he would have been allowed to continue, I think that the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, really, it's the civil rights movement uh, 2.0, if you think about it, um, because it's still the police brutality. It's still the injustice. It's still the white supremacy. Yeah. Um, it's still unequal pay. Um, so I don't want to say that we haven't moved forward since Martin Luther King, but we're definitely still facing some similar issues and it's sad that it's been that long and we're still dealing with it. Yeah. It's, it's fucked up. Um, another thing that I found that I thought was pretty crazy was that he had worked with an organization for nuclear power disarmament. And he felt, he stated that he felt that the choice was between nonviolence or non-existence um you know when it came to a nuclear disarmament he didn't want nuclear weapons he didn't want any country to have nuclear weapons um you know he really didn't see the need for it that i feel like he got a little too involved with when it came to government and policy and things like that that's why i feel like in part 
they kind of had his number from the beginning, aside from the shakeups he was doing with the civil rights movement. What do you mean? That he was working for nuclear policy disarmament. The United States doesn't want to give up the nukes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so what, you think he shouldn't have done that? No, I think he should have let that be. I mean, more power to you. We're not there yet, but he couldn't. All right, continue on. I apologize. <laughs> We're not there yet, but he could not. He could not let that shit go. I know. Um, and you're right. Uh, you know, it was maybe not the best move in terms of staying alive, but, yeah. uh, you know, it was part of his. And this was years down the line. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. You're you're we're jumping ahead really far. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get excited. <laughs> so the Voting Rights Act uh, passes, and President Johnson and MLK have like a pretty tight relationship at this point until MLK finds out about some things going on in the Vietnam War in August of 1965. Not good. Um, he openly starts to criticize the war at this point in 1965 that's the first time that he criticizes um u.s foreign policy he views nonviolence not just as the civil rights movement and like a tactic for that but he views it as a christian ethic um and something that needs to be applied worldwide he refuses not to speak about it um in, and in 1967, he once again goes public against the war. And he is essentially at that point breaking his political alliance with Johnson uh, and his administration starts to very heavily criticize him in the press at this point because he of his opposition to the war. He shouldn't have had political alliances. That wouldn't have helped him regardless. POTUS has nothing to do with what actually goes down in the world. You know that's true. Um, no, his political alliance with Johnson, he was able to accomplish a lot of really wonderful things. With I that. Mean, as far as staying alive is concerned, Johnson wouldn't have been able to help him. I'm telling what you. What the fuck are num- you talking about? He was numbered from day one. Dude, listen. Vietnam was not John- like Johnson's. I'm sure he regrets That's it neither now. here nor there. You know what I it's mean? It's here and it's also there. <laughs> like, good Lord. Vietnam was fucked up. It wasn't uncommon for people to speak out about how they felt about Vietnam, Vietnam and that they opposed the war. There were so many anti-war rallies go- coinciding with- Yeah, the fucking government the hated movement. those people. Yeah. Yeah, they hated them. The FBI hated them. They were fucking tracking them. They were bugging their phones. They were doing all kinds of crazy shit. So he they were added, being complete assholes. He added another layer of time Yeah, he fuckery, put another fucking basically. target on his head. Yeah. He put another, once again, you know, an additional target on his head. He starts being heavily criticized in the press for his opposition to the war. He goes from being viewed as the Nobel Peace Prize recipient to this like anti-war radical. You know what I mean? MLK is extremely critical of President Johnson at this point. He says that he's spending too much money on the Vietnam War and that he's not actually fighting the war on on poverty in the United States like he promised to in his campaign. Well, that's true. Of course. More and more people at this point in the press um, and in the public start associating him with communism again. They start bringing back up these old accusations. Right. So it's coming back up a lot more at this time. Um, And there's even some criticism within the civil rights movement that he's putting this idea of world peace and the peace movement and the anti-war movement over the black rights movement. Um, Why wouldn't he want to do that? That would encompass everything. Yeah, I mean, he was just a radically honest dude. He, you know, he's constantly throughout his entire life being criticized for how accurately his assessment of the world is, you know? It's awful. And he had to live in it. Like, 
I feel bad that Martin Luther King Jr. had to deal with us as a society of people. Yeah. Excuse that's me. valid, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty, you know. I wish that he would have had the opportunity to go and be amazing somewhere else that actually deserved him. Like another planet? Yeah. I feel like there was so much about him I didn't know that I didn't learn in school. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's a shame because he's a huge part of... Yeah, I mean, oh my God. Our education system. Yeah. They teach about the civil rights movement. It is not... uh, It's He's like a flashcard, you know? It's not up to par. No, not at least... It's not up to par. We're talking how many years ago now. I can't even... It's been a while. Uh, that's true. So <laughs> the Johnson administration at this point, you know, is officially, yeah. well, they're officially beefing with MLK. And they've always known about the sexual surveillance that the FBI did. Um, but now they're finally ready to like label King as an enemy. You know what I mean? Like they're finally like, yeah, you know what? Fuck this guy. Um, and the notoriously racist FBI is like, fucking yes. Finally, we have been waiting to go after MLK for some reason because we're super racist and crazy. Um, And they uh, label, they start labeling different civil rights groups at this point as terrorist organizations. That's bullshit. And threats threats to the nation. I would say threat this, you bitch. Yeah, well, the FBI had several informants that were, like, embedded within the civil rights movement, Um, Jim Harrison, for one, and the FBI at this time is really viewing anybody who is radically democratic as a threat to the nation. Um, So, like, people in the women's rights movement, people in the anti-war movement, you know, basically anybody who believed in the progression of uh, equal rights. And in equal rights is not communism; it's just fairness. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's exactly correct. So, in March of 1968, William Sullivan begins revising the document to indict MLK, and at this point, this is when he adds the rape participation allegation. I'm sorry, rape? Yes. So this is where they add that part to the indictment. Um, This is like the big, this is like the one stain on MLK's record. uh, Did he do it? Probably not, no. I mean, really. He didn't do it. It's well, the, the so first of all, the accusation, um, if you're not familiar with it, is that um, MLK was present during the rape of a black parishioner by a minister, and that King was essentially looking on at the act while it was happening and laughing during the incident. That is how they documented it. Yeah, the, he wouldn't do that. The quote-unquote evidence that they had of this was an audio recording, and there was no way that they could have accurately accused him of looking on and, like, watching the incident. Right. Because there, there's no video evidence. They don't, they, they didn't see anything. So the fact that they wrote it that way obviously it says that at least there's a ton of subjective evidence that we're looking at and fabrications because it's not possible that that is the way that they would make this accusation accurately. If they were going to accurately make it, they would have to not include that part, you know? They got to make an accurate, if it's not an accurate accusation, get the fuck out of here. It just obviously includes fabrications because they didn't see anything and we know that. So how could they say that he was watching, you know? 
Um, also the audio recording, it just came in. It was like very convenient. Like the way that this file popped up, the way that it was written was like, almost like, oh yeah. Like, let's, let's say that he did this. Like, it was like, they tried to like make it juicy and it's just, it's a little convenient, you know, of course it is. and of it really, it is. really goes along with what like J. Edgar Hoover had so obviously been trying to portray MLK as for such a long time you know he was obsessed with his sexual activities because J. Edgar Hoover was a sex addict J. Edgar Hoover was just had a really hard time with his own sexuality right that's what I mean (laughs) Chelsea (laughs) You're so funny. I know. Um, um, this is yeah. wild. So, so I didn't know that they tried to like go through the vagina of another woman to bring him down. Yeah, they did a lot of things. They did a lot of fucked up shit. Um, agents during this time were regularly rewarded anytime that they found evidence to undercut the civil rights movement. It was just like common practice. Um, and right before he was assassinated... MLK gives, you know, one of his best speeches ever. Uh, He he talks about freedom of speech being on the line. He talks about the right to protest our government being on the line. He talks about the United States being in danger of following in the footsteps of, um, you know, other totalitarian governments. Uh, You know, he, he alludes to being in danger because of these things. Well, you got to think about it too. I mean, if people listened enough and he alluded to that, why wouldn't someone try to stop it? I mean, it probably couldn't be stopped, you know, especially if it was going to happen. Well, well, I mean, let's get into it. You know, (sighs) let's get into it. They were all for it. Let's get into it. Our, our, I, I, that's what I thought we were doing for the last hour. Listen, <laughs> you wrong. Okay. You wrong. <laughs> we're about to. We're about to. We're about to. Yeah. We're about to. So <sighs> he's assassinated, right? Yeah. The same people who up until this point the day of his assassination, they were fucking spying on him, right? Yeah. So don't you think, right, that they would have had like something on their radar about an assassination plot? There were police within two miles of him, but he didn't have a direct detail on him. No, of course not. Now listen, right? James Earl Ray, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's the man who was arrested for this. Yeah. And he is arrested because he drops a bag of evidence containing the gun and binoculars that he used um, to commit this crime covered in his fingerprints. Um yeah. This is a pretty careless mistake for somebody whose previous crimes were all armed robberies, in which case he successfully hid the guns afterwards. Yeah, that was pretty careless. So maybe he was like, that seems a little fucking convenient. You know what I mean? Maybe he was a sleeper cell. That seems a little fucking convenient. Yeah, especially did the arm. He like succeeded in the armed robberies. Yeah, I mean, he he got the money. He was eventually arrested, you know. He, well, right. But he didn't leave the weapon behind. He wasn't, like, he was an experienced criminal is what I'm trying to say. Why would he just carry it around? What do you mean? Like, he, like, conveniently dropped it in front of their fucking faces. Like, whoopsie, 
gotta go yeah like okay i just committed this assassination let me get my shit i'm just gonna leave the gun now like i'm gonna forget that yeah well same with the shell casings and jfk they were all there you know like how do you forget the shell casings and the gun like (laughs) sleeper cells it's gotta be he's gotta be a sleeper cell i don't think so you don't think so no why because I don't think that he even did it. You don't think he was killed by who went down for killing him? No, of course not. Who do you think did it? Um, the FBI. Well, yeah, the FBI, but this guy was a patsy. Um, so some people believe that. I think he there's did. a lot of. Well, let's get into it. We'll get. We're gonna. We're getting. We're you know. Okay, so I think we're going to stop right there, and next week we'll have part two of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., uh, where we'll get into all of the different conspiracies uh, regarding his death and, you know, the different theories that people have. Um, Thank you so much for listening. It's been great. Uh, I'm Catherine Doherty. I'm Chelsea Potts. Remember to like, share, subscribe, rate, review, and, you know, drop us a line. Check out ObviouslyIt'sFake.com. All right. This has been Obviously It's Fake. Thank you guys so much for listening.